Hi, this is Pastor Ray. Glad you're with us today on demand. Have you ever made a bad decision? Have you ever had to fight your way back from a bad place? Listen, we all know what it's like. Moses is going to show us today how to fight your way back. He's going to give you some tools that will help you have a better future, no matter what you did in your past. So stay with us today. This is going to be good right here on demand just for you. Don't leave. Stay right there. Enjoy. I want to challenge you today, though, to take a step with me as we open the Word of God up and we talk about Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And I want to talk about decisions. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks. And I, I have a couple more things I want to say to you about this topic, but I, I want you to think with me back in your life when you made a bad decision. I want you to think about it. Now, I know that's hard, but I want you to go back in your, in your, on your timeline and, and remember a time when you made a bad decision and you had to fight your way back from it. It could have been a debt. It could have been you bought a car you shouldn't have purchased. It could have been a marriage relationship that went sour. It could have been a job. It could have been a bad move to a new location that you should have never moved to. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, I want you to think about how you got back from that. How, how did you get out of that situation to where you are today? And somebody said, no, I'm still in it, Pastor Rick. I'm trying to get out of this bad decision right now. But I want you to notice a guy who could relate to you. And that was Moses. Now, in our study, we have tried to point out to you there is a, a method to making better decisions, a book called Farsighted. I need to make sure I say it right, Farsighted. And it's a book by Stephen Johnson. And in this book, Stephen Johnson talks about three things you do if you want to make a good decision. The first thing is you have three phases. First is the mapping phase. And this is where you get honest. You honestly look at the map of your life and tell the truth. I have a poor attitude. I have a habit of being violent. Whatever it is, you put that on the map. You write that down. Then the second phase, he says, is what he called the prediction phase, where you predict what's going to happen. In the predicting phase, you say, if I continue being violent, what do I predict will happen? The, the Bible says, if you live by the sword, sword, you die by it. So if I don't want that to be my outcome, I need to make a third step, which is in the decision-making phase. In that phase, what I do is I decide to change my behavior in the mapping phase because I don't want that prediction to come true for me. So three phases. Map honestly, right? Predict where this is going to lead me. Then make a decision to get me where I want to go. Those things really are simple but are profound. And that's what I've talked about. And what I've tried to do is show you in Moses' life some things that he wasn't honest about. He made some decisions that were bad and got him in predictable trouble. But then you see Moses turning the corner, coming to himself, realizing that he'd made some decisions that caused him to lose his, his place in Egypt. He had to run to Midian. Now he has a new family, a new life, a new beginning, and he's not trying to get back to where he was. He's not trying to pretend he's something he's not. He's simply saying, okay, this is the truth. This is my life. This is where I am, and I can't run from it. Sometimes in life, you have to just bear your face and say, God, I made a mistake. God, I, I did something wrong, and I can't go back and fix it. But I can't go forward. I can't change the way things look. I can't change what I, the mistakes I made, the people I hurt. I can't go, I can't even find them all. But God, today, I've decided to change my direction. What a powerful moment. And that's what Moses does. But then there's a place where 
he gets stuck. So he's started his new life. He's got his family. He's seen, you know, he's, he has this great moment with um, God where he runs into this burning bush. And I talked about his curiosity last week, and I said how Moses got curious, right? And then Moses, when he got curious, what did Moses do? He went over and looked at this burning bush. We talked about the burning bush and how the, the, the curiosity is what led to a place of blessing in his life because he was willing to go and look. All that was part of God's plan to get him beyond where he was. So he went as far as he could go. He started a new family. He worked, took a job being a shepherd, did the best he could. God looked at Moses and says, hmm, I know you messed up. I know you've given up on any big dreams for your life. So what I'm going to do is give you an opportunity. And that burning bush was the opportunity. And Moses went to that bush, saw the bush burning, and the Bible says that there was an angel in the bush. And he said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. That was the launching pad for a new life for Moses. A chance for him to get past where he'd been. Let me tell you what will happen to you. There will come an opportunity for you to get past where you've been. There'll be a moment when you can turn your life around and you can, you can map out a new beginning. You can lay new things down on your life map and you can have a new beginning, a new relationship, new job, new opportunity. There can be some opportunities for you that you never imagined, and that's where Moses is. Now, let me show you, if I can, how he responded to this. Now, there's two things we're going to notice when we get into this. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3. But there are two things I want you to notice. Before I read the text, there are going to be two issues that Moses is going to have to deal with in order to get beyond where he is. Number one is placement. He's in the wrong place. He's in Egypt. God will not be able to bless Israel as long as they are in Egypt. God's plan is for Moses to lead them out. But the placement issue is a problem. And so God's going to challenge Moses in a, minute, in a minute to go back to Egypt and lead them out of Egypt. So let me be clear. The first thing we're going to see is placement. Sometimes you're just in the wrong place, wrong city, wrong people. You're in the wrong environment. In order for God to help me get to where he wanted me to be, he had to put me in Los Angeles, California. That was his placement for me. But then there was a time I had to leave and come back to Savannah, Georgia, where I was born. I was born in Savannah, Georgia. But it's all about placement. Second thing, he had to deal with a watching issue. So I, I, these are the two issues. One is the placement issue. The second one is a watching issue. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, here Israel is um, going to be described from the very beginning in a unique way. Now listen to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, I indeed have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I heard them crying out because of their slaves, drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I'm come, I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now I want you to think about this. God says to Moses, I see the problem. Secondly, watch this now. 
why would they be in Egypt in the first place? That's the first question. How did Israel get there and why are they still living there? And by now, they're close to three million people. Why? How did this happen? Now, these are Moses people and Moses is living in Midian. OK, they're in Egypt and everybody's in the wrong place. So what God's going to have to do is move Moses from Midian to Egypt and then move all of Israel, including Moses, from Egypt to the promised land. So watch what's happening. He's moving all all the things around on the table and saying, OK, the first thing I have to do is get them in the right place. One more time, I have to get them in the right place. So let me go back in time a little bit. to Exodus chapter one. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what happened when they stayed too long in Egypt. And I'll show you how long they were supposed to stay. So hang with me for just a minute. Watch this. Exodus chapter one, verse 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 one. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob and with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Those are the ones who went with him, all of Joseph's brothers. The descendants of Jacob numbered, watch this now, 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt, but he sent and got 70 of his siblings, 70 of his family members, and brought them to Egypt because of the famine. Now, please note, the reason they were there was because Joseph wanted them to be saved from the famine that still was about five years. Now, let me backtrack a little bit for some of you who may not know the whole story. So let's backtrack. Joseph was the younger brother of Jacob. And 17 years old, his brothers um, sold him into slavery and lied to their father. It's a horrible story. And in this story, Joseph is um, taken from his brothers uh, by some Ishmaelites, and he lives in Egypt, becomes a slave. Then eventually, one day, there was a dream that um, the Pharaoh had that he couldn't interpret. Well, Joseph had gone through some hard times in Egypt. He was serving a guy named Potiphar, was doing really well. And then Potiphar's wife tried to uh, uh, sexually harass him, that's the best way to put it, lied on him, had him locked up in jail because she accused him of trying to, to, to attack her, which wasn't true. She was really flirting with him. Well, he's in prison, and he then rises in prison to become this respected guy. And one of the guys, has, he has this dream, and Joseph interpreted the dream. Well, later on in life, several years down the road, the king had a dream he couldn't interpret. And somebody said, well, there's a guy in prison named Joseph who's really good at interpreting dreams. So Joseph comes up, interprets the dream. The, 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 the dream was very simple. The king saw seven fat cows, and he saw seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows consumed or ate the seven fat cows. Joseph interpreted the dream this way. The seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. The seven fat cows are seven years of plenty. He said, what's going to happen, king, is there's going to be seven years of plenty, more food than you can imagine, more abundant in the land of Egypt. And then all of a sudden, there's going to come a famine for seven years. And he said, during that seven years, what's going to happen is, he said, the seven, there'll, be, there'll be so much famine, you won't even remember the seven years of plenty. That was the seven skinny cows eating the seven fat cows. 
Egypt was on, a, on the way to a good season and a bad season. So when the king heard this, when Pharaoh heard this, he, he thought, wow, what an incredible interpretation. And so he then promotes Joseph to be over everything, second in command in Egypt. So he rises in power. Then he ends up uh, being in a position now to protect his brothers. Well, his brothers come back to see him. This is for those of you who don't know the story. They come back to Egypt over seven years later, about almost eight years later, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, nine years later. So the seven years of plenty went well. Egypt had all the stuff. Then in the second seven, so remember, seven years of abundance and seven years of famine, two years into the, the famine, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy food. Well, they didn't know their brother had risen to power, and now he was over all the food distribution. So when they came in to buy food, he recognized them and eventually reveals himself to them, and eventually He's the guy who takes them out of Egypt for about the last five years and takes them uh, from where they were facing uh, starvation and, and lack, brings to them that came to 70 people. He brings them all to Egypt. Long story, but I think you get the point. Bottom line, God set them up to be in this place for a season, only for the season of provision. The problem was they got comfortable and so they stayed. And they overstayed their welcome. And this is important because watch what happens now. And this is for those of you who may not know the story. You know, sometimes we assume everybody knows the story. But this is what happens now when you overstay. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 6, Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. So remember, he brought 70 people over. They grew in great number. But eventually Joseph died. His brothers died. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 1. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in number, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. So they went from 70 to millions over a several hundred year period, for 400 years. So you have this incredible growth in the nation. Verse 8, then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said, this is in verse 8 and 9, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too, far too numerous for us, Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. In other words, if we don't do something, these people may turn on us. So, now, I love the way the King James says it. There arose a king who knew not Joseph. Here's the bottom line. They stayed too long. They were in the wrong place. And they stayed so long that now they were in absolute bondage. Absolute bondage. <sighs> Placement. Stay too long. In a job, in a career, in a neighborhood, um, in a certain kind of relationship. Where have you stayed too long? Where have you stayed so long that now you're in a sour place? You have to learn to leave when you should. There is a book that I like a lot called Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud and Townsend. Cloud and Townsend. Good book. And it gives this incredible guide that helps you know when to leave. Before it gets sour, while you still have a good spirit, while you still have a good attitude. 
such a profound thought. Israel didn't do that. They stayed until they ended up in slavery. And then now everybody turned against them. They're in this horrible place, horrible position. So I want you to watch this. Remember, I told you there are two things in this story that I want you to pay attention to. One was placement. You ready? And the other one was you have to make sure that you are involved. Moses was fighting his way back to a new place. But the key to that happening was placement. He had to be in the right place. He had to leave Midian and Egypt had to leave. Catch this now. Uh, the, the Israelites had to leave Egypt. The second part of this I want you to look at is I'm going backwards a little bit in the story. Exodus chapter 3. Moses was living in Midian and was saddened by the reality of his people in slavery, in bondage, things that migrated to a bad place since he left over the last 40 years. Because he was 40 years when he left Egypt, 40 years old. Now he's 80 years old. 40 years have gone by, and now he's just watching from the sidelines. He has no plans to get involved, none at all. I have noticed that a lot of us tend to do that. We can become sideline watchers and commentators. Well, watch what happens in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, in a prayer moment with God. God talks to Moses and says this. Here's what he tells him. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I want to stop there for a minute. I want to go back and make sure you catch the flow of where this came from. Remember in the early part of the text, I read to you a comment that God made in chapter 3, verse 7, when he said, I indeed have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. And he goes on to talk about it's flowing with milk and honey and all this good stuff. Well, please understand, this is God saying what he's going to do. Moses is listening to this going, that's, that's a good plan. I like that plan. That's good, God. You should get them out of there. That's good. You should do something about it. That's a, a, he's amening in his heart. But then when you get down to the next part of the verse here, verse 10, he says, I'm sending you. Well, now, that's not part of the plan. I just, you know, he was planning on watching, not participating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They probably should move, but um, uh, I'm not. I'm, first of all, I'm a shepherd. I don't understand what that has to do with me. Fascinating. He said, but now when you notice all the pronouns in this verse, he says in verse 10, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring in my people, out, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 12, God said, I will be with, watch this now, you. This will, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That's a lot of yous, God. I thought you, I thought you were going to do this. And I thought you were going to fix my home. I thought you were going to bless me. I thought you were going to give me a job. I thought you were going to make me healthy. I thought you were going to make me. I thought you, you, not me. No, he looked at Moses and said, no, you are going to participate in this. It's not going to happen if you're not involved. Two things, my friend, I promised you. Remember? 
One is placement. The other one is watching. No watching. Participation. You can't just, it's not placement only, it's participation. Might be a better way to say that. Some of you, it, you, you focus so much on, <laughs> on getting to the right place, and the Lord says, oh, I'm not, can't get you there until you participate. Can't just watch. You develop the spirit of watching, complaining about the kids in school, complaining about this. What young people are you discipling? What young people are you helping? You're complaining about this, complaining about that. What are you doing about it? I, I almost want to step into something, and I'm, I'm running along here for a minute, but I want to say this to you. I've watched people, and I'm going to jump off the cliff for a minute, during the pandemic, complain about what they're seeing. But what are you doing about it? You personally. You personally. Okay, so, okay, let, let, let's just say, uh, <laughs> let's say you're doing nothing but watching and complaining. What am I doing? I'm encouraging people to get vaccinated. I'm encouraging people to wear a mask in places that make sense. I'm encouraging people to keep distance. I'm encouraging people to, if they do open up, be safe. If you're going to do things, be safe. My role is, and I'm talking to individuals, one-on-one, 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 one-on-one. What are you doing to help poor people? Name somebody that's poor that you're helping. Name some kid, some young person that you're helping. Name something. Name something. Are you just watching? This is about Moses. Look, I'm not interested in you just being a watcher and a critic. You're watching and critiquing, giving philosophical statements, but you are doing zero, nothing to help any young person be better. You're not helping them go to school. You're not helping them with their homework. You're not doing anything. You're staying around old people complaining. It doesn't matter what you say if you're not participating. God comes down, look at Moses in a burning bush and says, hey, dude, I want you to participate. I want you to, I want you to get involved in this fight. That's why churches have to be really careful that you don't just have some come in the room and dance around the building. That your whole goal in life is to get back in some building so you can dance around and do nothing to make a difference in the world. God doesn't care about our buildings, our churches, our titles, our degrees. None of that matters. We stink in his nostrils. Be clear about what I'm saying. We stink in his nostrils if we don't do anything. Who cares that you're smart? Who cares that you know what a few Greek words are? Who cares that you can preach? Who cares that you got a word and that you can move your hands fancy and wear a fancy suit? None of that matters if you're not involved. If you're not participating, we don't mean, we don't mean, listen, listen, it doesn't matter what we think if we don't make a difference in the world we live in. So Moses is sitting there and he's going, yes, right, God, you need to do something. It's terribly sad how these people are all enslaved in Egypt. But he says, I'm sending you. I want your money. You know, I love one of the great stories in the Bible. I'm getting off a little bit. God told Noah to build an ark and he let him build it out of his own money. There's no record of God reimbursing him. He just saved his life. He let Moses know, you cannot be blessed of me if you don't participate. I'm sending you. All this complaining about the world. What are you doing? You want him to get on the bus to go next door. You cannot be used of God if you don't participate. That's why I think God doesn't bless churches. That's why he don't give them money. Why should he give you money? Because you don't do anything with it. All you do is sit around and look at it. Build big buildings and look at each other and dance in the building and, and have a good time and, and invite expensive guests to come and sing and entertain you. That's all you do. If that's all we live for, we don't need to be open. 
If that's our whole existence. <laughs> Moses was challenged. You got to go say something. You can't just, um, you got to participate. Chapter five, got to close out. Moses was challenged to do something, get involved. And he was challenged to say something. Chapter five. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, says, let my people go that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Now, I'll talk more about that next week, because some people, all you have to do is hear one negative word and you give up. You're done. Oh, well, he said, no, that's it. Forget it. <laughs> Amazing. But this is the moment where Moses fights back. And this moment when Pharaoh says no, Moses doesn't surrender and gives up. Moses doesn't allow himself to be defeated. Are you allowing yourself to be defeated. This is what I believe. There are times in life when you can't make somebody do right with the first fight that may require a second encounter, a third round, a fourth round. We're going to learn that Moses, after hearing those words, made a bold decision. I'm going forward. He made a decision to not back up he made a decision, no matter how rough it became, he was not going to give up. And he was going to get beyond his past. He was going to get beyond, he was going to take Israel beyond the mistake of staying there too long. Here's what I believe. God can get you beyond where you've been. He can get you through a mistake. He can lift your life to a new place. I believe with all my heart, for some of you, it's time to look at your placement. It's time to look at your participation. It's time to look at your tendency to watch and not do anything. Your family is falling apart and all you're doing is watching. Things are not moving in a better direction. One little confrontation makes you run and give up. I believe we need to fight for each other. During this season of challenge, as a nation, we got to fight for each other. During this season of challenge in the world, we have to fight for each other. We have to contend for each other. We have to say, no, I'm coming back again. I'm going to speak to Pharaoh and I'm going to demand that we rise past this season. What are you going to do, my friend? What are you going to do? Placement. Participation. Can't just look. It's time for you to decide. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word today. I pray that what we've heard today in these last 25 minutes or so would be a lifting, a lift, a lift to the hearts and minds of your people. And that they would say, I get it. I'm clear. And I want God's best for my life. I want to be in the place I need to be. If I'm in Egypt, guide me to the promised land. And Father, whatever I need to do, help me do it without fear. And don't let a negative comment from a Pharaoh run me off. May I stand strong and contend for my family, contend for the truth, contend for righteousness, contend for fairness, contend for the poor. May I not be a person who just watches but I need to get involved in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I always tell people, whenever you pray for blessing, the question is, what does God get out of blessing you if all you're going to do is watch? What's in it for him? 
What's in it for anybody? If all we get to do is, is, is just stare and look. It's time for you to do something. Stop just looking. I've said enough. I hope you were blessed by today's message. And I hope that if you're here today and you've never ever prayed for God to come into your life, that's the place you need to get to. The placement for you starts with you moving into the kingdom of God. And the word kingdom simply means God's rulership. You're saying, God, you know, I've been my own king. I've been serving myself, doing what I want. But now I'm moving into your kingdom and I'm stepping in, asking you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Let this be that moment, Lord, where, we, where they say, yes, I want to come under your lordship. And I pray this is that moment. If that's for you, I want to pray a prayer for you. Father, I pray for those today who need to give their lives to God, who need to come under God's rulership. They're living in a place of self-rule and not allowing God rule. And so may this be that transforming moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you got those two things down in your spirit that you have been cleared to understand that placement's important and that your involvement's important. You can't just get to where you want to be if you live in the wrong place. Their Egypt was the wrong place. That's why they were enslaved. They stayed too long. Sometimes you stay too long in the wrong place. And secondly, you've got to get involved. You can't just watch. Take this message to heart. You can't just say, my family needs to be fixed. You've got to get involved in the fixing process. You can't just say, I need a new job. You got to get involved in that process. You got to seek, ask, and knock. We talked about that in the last sermon. So I want you to think about what I just said to you. And I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that they would hear this message today and they would apply it to their lives. And I pray that they would not only open their heart to a new place, but open their heart to more involvement, their own personal involvement. They can't just be a watcher. They, got, they must be a participant in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Thanks for being with me here on demand. The On Demand is amazing. If you liked it, if you felt it blessed you, link it and send it to a friend and share the message for free. See you next time right here. I have more to talk about on decision making. I'll see you next time.